Hello there, this is Mark Bauerline with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books Institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. Bruce Becker is with us today. He is vice president of Time of Grace, where he hosts the podcast Bible Threads with Dr. Bruce Becker. He has a new book entitled True Crimes of the Bible, Scandal, Murder, Adultery, Forgiveness, Faith, Hope, which is our topic today. Welcome, Dr. Becker. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Question. Why, why, why call it crime? Why not, why not talk about sin or failure or, or fallenness? Why, why the word crime? Because crime relates to a broader audience in terms of, you know, you have all these true crime series on television and podcast series. And so I thought I would call it true crimes because it relates to more people. Very good. Very good. Uh, let me step back for a second. What, what does Time of Grace do? Time of Grace is a media ministry. Uh, it features a half-hour weekly television program broadcast around the country, on, also on American Forces Network. We have uh, books we publish. We have daily devotions, written devotions. We have uh, uh, weekday video devotions. We have podcasts, uh, seven different ones. We've got blogs. It's just uh, uh, many different platforms uh, to reach as many people as we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very good. Very good. Well, let's get to the book, The Crimes. You begin with Cain, which is, you say, the first crime in the Bible. Now, why is the disobedience of Adam and Eve not the first crime? I wanted to, first of all, I, this, this uh, book started out as a podcast that I do 10 episodes in a series. And so I had to choose which ones do I uh, want to include. And Adam and Eve is pretty familiar, as is Judas Iscariot in the New Testament. So I, I, I focused on um, some, uh, some crimes that might not be as familiar to, to other people. So you're, uh, you would be absolutely right uh, that the crime of Adam and Eve disobeying God uh, was the most serious one of all. But but Cain, yeah. There 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 does seem to be something different though about a a crime you know a, a crime against another human being seems a little different than 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 a crime disobedience of God. Right? You you you're relating to to other people and that, that's how that's how I I saw that. And you actually go into each of these with the Cain situation. What is the significance to the fact that Cain is a farmer and Abel tends the flocks? Uh, that's a good question. The Bible doesn't seem to answer that. 
other than there were multiple ways uh, for uh, people to uh, provide for themselves for food, uh, and they each went a different route. When God favors Abel's offering over Cain's, do we get a reason there for why that that happens? We get uh, an insight into uh, Cain's heart when we get to the New Testament, uh, and Cain is uh, described, I think this is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, uh, because he was belonged to the evil one, it says. And so Cain did not have a faith relationship with, uh, with Yahweh, with the God of the Old Testament. Uh is there an indication that Cain just offers to God some of his right. some of his crop, whereas Abel offers to God the choicest of his of his flock? Is that should we make much of that? I think we can make a, a little bit of it. Uh, it's a factor that goes goes into God's acceptance of Abel's and not Cain's, uh, but it's not the only it's not the only factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord actually does give Cain a choice, you write, doesn't he? Yeah, especially when he uh, he warns Cain, you got sin crouching at your door. And, uh, you know, you, you better pay attention. You better be alert to what's going on here so that you don't have sin uh, overtake you. When when he says sin crouching at your door, what what is what does he mean by that? I mean, is there is this is this Satan? Is it figurative? When the you know now now that we've fallen, sin is always within us, ready ready to act. Yeah, that word crouching is uh, like an animal laying down. Uh, could even be like you know uh, a mountain lion uh, quietly waiting there, ready to pounce. Uh, it is there is a disposition because of the sinful heart uh, to uh, to have those attitudes of the heart uh, leap into actions, uh, that, and that's exactly what happened with Cain. Uh, he was angry with God, uh, but then he turned his anger on his brother uh, brother Abel and went from just uh, hatred, anger to actual murder. Yeah. You know, at the at the end of uh, of the services, I I tend we have that prayer, the the, the uh, archangel Michael that speaks of Satan roaming, ever roaming the earth in search of souls. And you know, in in the book of Job, uh, that opening there up in up in uh, in heaven with God, Satan is is there. God says, "Where have you been? What are you doing?" And say, I, I've been roaming the earth. I've been going up and down all around the earth. And is this something that we must, we must remember? Satan is always out there, ready, ready to seize us, ready to direct us, ready to incline us, to persuade us to the wrong way. I think Peter covers that really well when he talks about Satan being like a roaring lion looking to whom he might he might devour. And that is that is ongoing. Although Satan isn't omnipresent, uh, 
he does roam. He goes from one place or one person to a, to another, uh, and he's got his he's got his associates. The uh, the demons want to do his bidding as well. In in your in your own work, uh, in in the work of time of grace, how. How receptive are people to talk of Satan? In our audience, uh, find that they are willing, they recognize it, they believe in Satan. Um, I even wrote a little, a short little book called Give Satan the Credit He is Due. Um, hmm. Not the honor he's due, because he's not deserving of any honor, but we need to take him seriously. Uh, because he does uh, roam this earth looking for whom he can devour. Why do you think so many so many modern people, modern Americans, they don't want to hear talk about Satan? They don't like hearing uh, about that. Well, what 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 what's the problem there? Because, I mean, it it, it seems to me that I, I believe in in evil. We see evil all the time. We see sin all the time. What is wrong with with acknowledging that and, and saying that there's a force out there leading this? Why don't people like that? I think that in some cases, uh, people want to, or they deny that Satan exists because then in their own minds, they don't have to worry about it. And then a, a, a second reason may be that just Evil is evil, it, it exists, but there's no one behind it. There's no one uh, ampl amplifying it. Uh, there, there, there's no entity. Some of, the, some of the research that like Barna and Pew Research have, have done indicate that even the majority of people who call themselves Christians don't believe in the existence of an entity. They believe in evil, but not in an entity named uh, the devil or Satan. Why does God preserve Cain's life? Why does he protect him from others? Why, do, why does he shield him? Yeah, I've thought about that, uh, that question. Uh, one, maybe, uh, one, one thought that comes to mind is, is that uh, God wanted to uh, send a, a message uh, to others that, you know, if you disobey the holy God, uh, there are con consequences. And the other thing, thought that has come to my mind is the fact that our God, even though he is a holy, just God, he's still a loving and merciful God. And he demonstrates that even to the uh, to people that don't believe in him. Let's pause for a moment to ask if you are looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry, as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Next, we move on to another murder, this one far less well-known than Cain's, and that is a murder committed by Moses. What happens in that episode? 
Well, Moses uh, grew up in Pharaoh's household uh, until he's about 40 years old. And somewhere along the line, it, it seems that God told Moses that one day you're going to lead my people, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt and go to the promised land. Because uh, of Moses' actions, that seems to be the case. So Moses, he's 40 years old, and uh, he's thinking that someday I'm going to be leading these people out of this land. And he sees an uh, Egyptian taskmaster just beaten on uh, an Israelite. And so Moses goes, and he's looking around. He kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. Um, come to find out, he was trying to break up the... Uh, Days later, uh, a fight between a couple of Israelites, and they say, hey, Moses, are you going to kill us like you killed that Egyptian? Oh, no. Hmm. You know, the word's out. Word Some, is out. Somebody, somebody saw me, and word gets to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, get rid of that Moses. I want him dead. So Moses flees uh, to the country of Midian, where he's going to spend the next 40 years. Um, he's going to get married uh, but eventually, uh, through a burning bush, God is going to call him back to Egypt. So he gets back to Egypt, 80 years old, and now God's timetable is ready for Moses to lead Israel. Hmm. Next, we have David and a different crime, that of adultery, which is serious enough at the time, and you note this, that it's punishable by death. And he adds to that crime the cover-up scream, uh, the cover-up uh, uh, schemes of his. Uh, describe that episode for us. Well, first of all, King David, his, his soldiers are out fighting uh, a war, and he's sitting back in luxury in the palace. And He's walking on the palace roof one day, and he sees Bathsheba, finds her attractive, uh, sleeps with her. Uh, she gets pregnant, and so now what do we do? He, he calls Uriah the Hittite, her husband, back. He, uh, Uriah was one of his mighty men, one of, one of his close soldiers, and uh, wants him to go home uh, and be with his wife so as to think that the baby that uh, she's uh, carrying was his. But he refused. He had much more honor than David did. Uh, he refused to do that. He says, how can I do that when my men are out uh, in battle? So uh, David actually has a letter written. And the messenger of that letter is Uriah himself. And the message says uh, to his uh, commander, Joab, uh, get, rid of, get rid of Uriah. Put him up in the front lines. Uh, attack the city. And then when the battle is heated, withdraw and leave Joab there. And Joab was killed. Hmm. Now, one of the points that you make in the book is that we should look not just at the crimes, but also at God's response to these crimes. For instance, not killing uh, Cain. Uh, how does God respond to David's sin? Well, David, uh, or God sends a, uh, a messenger, a prophet, uh, to David, told him a little story. And uh, after the story, David was incensed that the man who had taken this other guy's sheep, or lamb, I should say, and uh, thought that this man should be put to death who committed uh, this crime. And um, the prophet said, you are the man. 
And at that point, we see a recogni- David recognizing what he had done, uh, what the cover-up was, uh, and he repented. Uh, how much does David suffer? David suffers the loss of that child. Uh, David, uh, you know, in the Psalms, he talks about all during this times, his bones are, are just aching and, and you know, he's feeling miserable. So psychologically, uh, physically, spiritually, uh, losing a child. Uh, and uh, then uh, what follows, uh, actually it's going to be in the next chapter, is consequences uh, that we see in his, fam- in his family. Right, right. You, you, you say that in subsequent years, for a long time, David's family is... Uh, is fractured, tensions, Absalom rebels uh, against him. And the, the point being that a crime like this, adultery, this, this involvement, the, the, the setting up of the killing, that right, the, the sins of the fathers right, go on. Yeah, and, and all of his, um, there are so many of his relatives. Uh, you know, you mentioned Absalom, a son. Uh, there was uh, Tamar. Uh, you had nephews like Joab. Uh, his generals, there was a lot of nepotism that went on in ancient times where David surrounded himself with his family. And they did horrendous things in the years to come. Right. You turn next to the time in the promised land in Canaan, which is referred to as the time of the judges. And there are several dominant crimes of the Jewish people in this area, the way they stray, uh, this era, the way they stray. Uh, who is the, quote, nameless Levite? And what is the story of his concubine? It's probably the most um, graphic uh, crime uh, described there. Uh, he has a he has a concubine, and he's going to. Uh, this all uh, happens uh, in the tribe of Benjamin, and almost wiped out the entire tribe. Uh, but he offered up his concubine uh, to wicked people in the city, and uh, they abused her. And she comes crawling back to the doorstep and opens up the door the next morning, uh, and and she is dead. And then uh, what he did was he took the body of uh, that uh, concubine, cut it up into 12 pieces, and uh, sent sent it to the 12 tribes of, of Israel to point out how horrendous it is for what the people of Benjamin had, had done to this, uh, to this concubine. It is pretty, I mean, just imagine, pretty, pretty great. It's awful. Why is, why is such a crime included in the Bible at all? Do, do, you, do you fit it into some theme, some, some moral lesson? I think the moral lesson is, is that uh, the farther... Uh, a culture strays away from honoring and worshiping the true God, the more heinous uh, things become. Uh, and we, we see that in our, in our own culture, uh, that there's just this, um, as uh, Robert Bork once said, slouching toward Gomorrah. You know, we're, we're headed year by year closer and closer to uh, being like Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old Testament. 
Yeah. Next, Ahab and Jezebel. Now, you know, I'm old enough to remember when the name Jezebel was a was a not uncommon term to describe a woman of manipulative morals, you know, loose loose character, uh, a little a little deceitful, a Jezebel. Uh I don't hear that anymore at all. We, we've lost Ahab and, and Jezebel. What are their crimes? Well, first of all, uh, Jezebel was, was not uh, a Jew, uh, not one of God's, God's people. And so she brought all of her idols uh, and convinced Ahab that uh, we should be worshiping the idols and not the, not the true God, Yahweh. Um, and so... Uh, Ahab, by his palace up in Samaria, wanted to uh, have a garden, uh, a vegetable garden. And next to the palace was this vineyard uh, owned by Naboth. And they went to Naboth, he went to Naboth and said, you know, um, I'll, I'll, buy your, I'll buy your vineyard because I want to have a garden. And he refused. And the reason he refused is because God's Old Testament law would not allow him. It needed to stay in his family. Um, that was a requirement. So Jezebel says, uh, no, let's, let's get some uh, false testimony going here and, and accuse Nath, uh, Naboth of, of doing some terrible things. And as a result, uh, Naboth was, was killed. And uh, a, uh, Jezebel then uh, took, over the, took over the vineyard. We have much more in the book. There are other crimes. We have the two Herods uh, uh, and what they've done. We've got St. Paul. And, and I, I, was, I think it's important, as you put this, for, for, to remember St. Paul's crimes before his conversion. But for now, the book is True Crimes of the Bible, Scandal, Murder, Adultery, Forgiveness, Faith, Hope. Dr. Becker, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.